don't be afraid to bring people that are smarter than you in your business. You're the entrepreneur. That's what you're supposed to do is go get talent to execute your plan. But be careful with who you partner with. Make sure that there's a management team in place that has deep track record of proven success in kind of the venture that you're going to set out to, to do. You're listening to Toolbox for the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders, their best tips and tricks of the trades, learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition, and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to episode 100 of Toolbox for the Trades. For the last two and a half years, I've interviewed contractors from across the continent from my humble studio in Los Angeles. I've spoken to owners, GMs, COOs, CFOs, dispatch managers, and marketing managers about the challenges they overcame, the wins they celebrated, and the people that helped get them to where they are today. I honestly don't have a favorite episode, but I knew that for episode 100, I had to get someone special to commemorate this incredible milestone. Ken Goodrich has over 30 years of experience working in the trades. He's the CEO of Gettle Air Conditioning, a $250 million business that just sold to the Cortec Group. He sold and turned around dozens of businesses, leveraging the skills he learned from Michael Gerber's The E-Myth Contractor. In fact, he partnered with Michael Gerber to author The E-Myth HVAC Contractor, a book that has been a keystone for me and many of my guests as we navigate the trades. I hope you enjoy listening to Ken and me catch up on all things Gettle and review some of the podcast's key themes, including recruiting, culture, and private equity. As always, thank you so much for listening to Toolbox for the Trades. I could never have reached this landmark episode if it weren't for you, dear listener. You make this podcast possible, and for that, I'm incredibly grateful. Now, without further ado, here's Ken Goodrich. Ken Goodrich, welcome again. Welcome back to the Toolbox for the Trades podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I have to start off with a little bit of a confession. So I was so intimidated by you when I first thought about having you come on the podcast. This is when we kicked off Toolbox for the Trades back in April 2020. And I just need to tell you that your name has so much power in the industry. It has such authority within the atmosphere of Service Titan, which is where I operated, that when I thought about interviewing you, I think I actually got a stomachache before our first interview. And I just want you to know that now that I know you, now that I've heard what an incredible mentor you've been to so many guests that have been on my show, I just think it's incredible. It's like, I was so I was I was as nervous to meet you as if someone was like you're going to meet Beyonce Jackie and but then meeting you was like oh my gosh Beyonce's got a great personality this is awesome so I just wanted to start off with that confession you intimidated the crap out of me but after knowing you I just know you to be an awesome excellent person that loves to give back to the trades and I just wanted to share that 
Well, I, hey, I really appreciate that and humbled by it. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me why I do, you know, why I do these kind of things. But, uh, you know, I, I just clearly remember, you know, I was 25, 26 years old trying to start my business, really struggling, didn't know where to go, had no allies. And I um, was looking at a trade magazine and I saw that there was an ACA, Air Conditioning Contractors of America convention in San Antonio. And so, I don't know, I took my last 800 bucks and found a way to San Antonio and went to the to the uh, seminar. And, you know, I found a couple older guys, a little more experienced guys, and uh, they kind of took me under wing and started to coach me a little bit and help me and point me in the right direction. And it was invaluable. And, and you know, so I just kind of continued this fellowship with, in, you know, with the industry, helping each other succeed. It was a good trade. And, you know, my currency was things I knew that they didn't. And we would just share back and forth. And, and I think the industry itself has grown a lot from that method. And, you know, a lot of guys have helped each other succeed. So I just really think it's a part of the success journey, certainly here in this industry anyway. That's awesome. And honestly, I'm going to compliment you again. Get ready for it. A testament to your character. There aren't a lot of people that would donate as much as their, of their time as you do to help other people in the trades. And I think the fact that you're able to keep that 25-year-old Ken in mind as you coach and mentor these other contractors is a really powerful thing. You know, they always there was that phrase, you know, don't forget where you came from, that kind of thing. It's clear that you don't. Yeah, well, I got to tell you, I mean, you know, I had a, I had quite a struggle in the beginning. Like I know a lot of, uh, a lot of everybody starting business, no matter what business it is, has, you know, like Michael Gerber, the E-Myth says, we start as the technician, right? We know a trade or a craft or something and, you know, we start out, but that, that really does not make it the totality of a business, right? So, you know, we struggle to figure that out. And, and so like when I go see other contractors or talk to other contractors, I kind of remember where I was at at certain points and, and the conversations and the struggles. And, you know, it's not, it's not fun. You know, it's, it's hard. It's a grind. It's hard work. And, and you just got to understand that these men and women who are out there trying to build a better life and, and through a business and, you know, creating an enterprise that, you know, funds you know, gives them the wherewithal to build the, the life they want you know, they're fighting, they're fighting for that. And it's a struggle and they're giving their all to it and they're sacrificing time with their families and their personal time and everything else. And, you know, you really don't know what it's like to have been there. And so, you know, I can empathize with them because I've been there. And if I can make a day a little bit easier, I think I've won. I love that. And I love what you just said, because that's essentially why I've done a hundred episodes of this podcast. I've heard from contractors who were like, oh yeah, I listened to your podcast for a couple seasons now and it really helped. And I think that's really, yes, we all want to make money. We all want to become successful. We all want to have financial security for ourselves and for our families. But at the end of the day, I think that the human experience encapsulates helping one another. And I love that that's something that you value and something that I value as well, which again, is why I wanted you to come back on. So I have a couple things I want to talk to you about this episode. Um, be basically based on the main themes that have hit 
us in this, these last 100 episodes. One is private equity and acquisition. One is culture. One is building your own text, which I know you can speak to all of these themes. But before we even go there, I want to find out what's been going on with you. So the last time we spoke was April 2020. Gettle was a $101 million business. Where's the company today? Well, bigger. Um, you know, we'll... We, you know, this year will surpass the $250 million mark. A lot of, you know, kind of a testament to our brand and our strategy. A lot of that's come just from our organic growth and growing our centers. We've bought some businesses and, you know, I've bought businesses for many, many years, but the core of our growth has been our, our major, uh, major markets, Phoenix, Las Vegas, Texas, starting to really resonate in those markets. So excited about that. I'm excited to get past the, the deuce mark. Is that how you say it? The deuce 200. Yeah. I still remember the day I called my mom and said, mom, I did $10,000 this month. I said, you know how, like, if I can keep this up, do you know how, how good I can live on $10,000? And then she reminded me that was gross. Right. But I'm like, I know, but I'm really close. And it's $10,000. I'd never seen that kind of money before. And, uh, she said, well, that's good, but you know, you, you probably got to get your sights set on something a little higher. And, you know, I'm, I'm pr so proud of my team and how they really have come together and built this business. But, you know, we finished over 25 million this month. So it's, it's been quite a journey and an education. And, you know, for all of us business people that know the struggle, you know what the struggle is like and you know you can do it and you see it out there, you just really quite don't know which route to take and how to get there, uh, you know, stick with it, stay on top of it. And one day you'll take something from 10,000 bucks to 25 million. Cause I think about, we had 10,000 this month. I hear a lot of themes about plateaus. Like, you know, we, we hit this much and we haven't been able to budge. Um, maybe even complacency, right? Like, this is all I need. This is all I need. So like, what, kind of drove you as a leader to continue to push those boundaries? I, th I think I'm, I'm a very naturally curious person. You know, I just, you know, I'm one of those guys, like I could spend all day on that uh, show, Why Things Work. I'm curious all the time on how things come together and work and, and put them together. So I've always been kind of a lifelong student. I surprised myself one time, like, wow, you know, I never thought I'd be here. Then I thought... Well, if I got to here, what's it going to take to get to there? And I would just, I just started moving the goal up, moving the goal line up. Kept, I kept moving the goal line up and uh, it's just taken us to new places. And, you know, the goal line isn't always money or revenue, uh, but it's in all things. So I just, you know, I just want to see how far I can go in this life. It's what I'm trying to accomplish in all things. I mean, I'm not, you know, uh, only focused on business, but so I'm just kind of natural that way. I always trying to push myself to the next level and my team. And I try to surround myself with, with a team that kind of shares that uh, quirk. I don't know if it's a quirk, but you know what I mean? That just kind of shares that wants to live like that. And it's really amazing to see, especially with this new way that these the industry is kind of forming with 
outside investment, more sophisticated operator, more sophisticated technology like Service Titan, for instance, to see the industry evolve. It enables me, for instance, in my role to attract some people from outside of the industry that we traditionally wouldn't have access to, right? Because you know, it wasn't really a thing here. The perception of the industry was mom and pop, low numbers, not much for them there. But now it's a different game, and, and now we can attract the talent and talent from people from big corporations with different perspectives on how to do things, things that we have never traditionally been able to apply to our industry. For the most part, I would say our industry is kind of just remodeling a business model from 1970. Yes, to the remodeling. I really feel like the trades is going through a rebrand, and I've been privileged to witness it in my five years at Service Titan. Because the industry, when I joined in 2017, is very different from the industry today in 2022. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Like you mentioned, private equity joining the space. I've also had some people on who say, oh, yeah, I've got the former uh, VP of operations from Enterprise Rent-A-Car working for me. It's like, what? Like, you're able to now kind of do this cross-pollination among different industries. You're learning from different industries and learning how to create incredible customer experience and build an incredible team, create careers for people in the way it felt like that wasn't really present before. The ball is really rolling downhill. More and more people are getting up on board with these concepts. Yeah, and I would encourage uh, the listeners here to think about this. So, you know, again, me and my natural want to push to see how, how high I can climb. 2008, I'm, I'm in a barbecue, family barbecue in California and I meet this guy, I start talking to him and we start talking about business and he's getting ready to retire early, wants to go try something else, wants a president's job, you know, wants to make a move in his career. Harvard MBA, really polished, sharp guy, but, you know, still kind of gritty, like our kind of guys, you know, so, but he's kind of working in the um, skilled labor mechanical trades industry too, but it was elevator the company was so big, they could go get a Harvard MBA, right, to, to run a store. So he's talking about president's job. So I'm like, well, what the heck? I'm going to try. I said, you don't want to you don't want to go be a president. You want to come work with me in HVAC and plumbing. That's where all the money is. And I said, look, here's what I'll do for you. You come. And I was working on an earnout and I was trying to drive a business to a certain result which gave uh, my management team and I uh, a wealth gain. And I said, look, come on with me, help me get this wealth gain done. You'll get a piece of it. But the gift I'm going to give you is I'm going to teach you how to run your own HVAC and plumbing service business. And I guarantee you will make 10 times more having your own little business, much less responsibility, much less rigor, much less grind, and you can make 10 times much more money owning your own little business than trying to be a president at some some company that uh, just trying to put out some sort of widget, right? So he agreed. And we and we we uh, went through the process. And I will tell you what he brought to the table on just the way he thought about things and how the way how he measured things. I mean, it really elevated us. So I guess what I'm trying to tell everybody is, don't be afraid to bring people that are smarter than you in your business. You know, you're the, you're the entrepreneur. That's what you're supposed to do is go get talent to execute your plan. 
and the and the better talent you can get, the better execution you can have, right? So anyway, it as it turned out, he brought a lot to the table. We got the deal done. He's been executing just as I thought he was and happy, happy as he could ever be. He's like, I wish I never went to Harvard. The whole point of it is, is that the industry is now attracting higher end talent. So, you know, grab onto that right now and make sure and don't be afraid of hiring people that are smarter than you. I don't know if you remember, but in our first podcast, you said, you know, I have a knack for finding good talent. And you just demonstrated that in that story. You identified this guy probably knows some stuff that I don't know. I'm going to get him on board. I loved the sales pitch you gave him as to come work with me in HVAC and plumbing and you're going to make more money than you ever did as a president. You know, you really sold the story of being an HVAC and plumbing entrepreneur. I also love that you had this wealth gain incentive in place for your team, incentivizing them to keep working, which it sounds like it is, right? Given what's happened since 2020, what have you noticed has changed in the labor pool, especially with your knack for finding great people to work with? Labor is in flux. And what I mean by flux, it's everything's in, in movement, right? People are moving around looking, looking for the better deal. So I've been able to find some very unique talent. I mean, I got, I have a very strong management team and, and I, you know, frankly, I would, you know, without taking the risk of sounding boastful, you know, I, I believe I probably have one of the top management leadership teams in the industry. And I think it's because, you know, we have, I went out and purposely built these, built this team over a few years, uh, tried to make sure that while I was, you know, I'm an industry guy and I believe in industry guys. And, but, you know, when I had a chance to bring somebody that could apply some, some deeper thinking or diff, deeper, deeper experiences to the model, I grabbed them. And so the majority of my general management staff is not from the industry. It's, you know, most of them are, you know, at least MBAs and just diverse. Probably my highest performing one is a uh, recently retired F-16 pilot. For those really tight arrival windows, right? Yeah, he's not backing <laughs> down for, uh, you know, against the challenge, right? Yeah. But utilizing now the evolution of the industry where there's more to offer. There's more to offer more talented and educated people now. And so I'm trying to grab a hold of that fast. And I think everybody else should too. What advice would you give to, that's a beautiful answer, by the way, what advice would you give folks who, you know, you already, you mentioned straight up, like I've got resources. I'm, I'm backed by private equity. I I've got a lot of revenue in the bank. I'm able to attract some good people. What would you say to the folks that are hitting maybe, you know, they're like $10 million shops, $25 million shops, or maybe they're just starting. How would you approach hiring if you were in their position? Well, I, I use this pitch and I, and I say the word pitch, but I don't mean it to be nefarious in any way, right? It's just, this is my presentation when I'm talking to people. And I think a $10 million company could do the same. And, you know, there's evolutions in as you grow in the business and there's really fun spots in it when you're really small and you don't know what to do and you're scrambling and you don't know if you make your house payment, that's not one of the spots. That's not that fun, but you kind of get a spot where you pull a team together and, you know, you have created a vision such that you can a, a vision of what the future looks like, kind of some what's in it for them get people kind of inspired around the brand, but really people want to be part of something, right? 
They just want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And that's when you really get a lot of magic and, and get a really solid culture in your business. So, you know, I always tell people, and this has been a real selling point when I'm talking to some high-end executives, and I'm talking to people making a half a million dollars a year base pay and, you know, 100% bonuses and things like that. But this seems to really resonate when I say, look, you've made, you may have never experienced this before or you may have, but let me tell you where we're at in business. We're at the fun spot. We're not, we don't have too much bureaucracy, so we're not to the point to where your job is relegated to being a coal miner where you have a little chipping hammer and you got to chip coal every day into a bucket and go home. We're not there. We are at a place where we don't have all the answers. We have enough systems in place for the business to run profitably and cash flow well. So we're not struggling and, and firefighting every day, but now we can create and we're in an industry that is in flux. We're an industry that needs to be improved and modernized. And, and let's all come together and be creative and figure out the best way and, you know, celebrate our wins together and, you know, just have a fun environment of, of reward and achievement. And, you know, that's what, uh, that's what gets missed, you know, as the companies get bigger and bigger and bigger, they have to become more, I call it institutionalized, right? You know, you go to Service Titan and there's a buzz, there's an energy, like people are working towards something and they're, they're all part of this community and they're building something together. That energy uh, is what I'm talking about. And so many people have either never experienced it or experienced it once, but it's not in their place. And that is the closer. You know, when you talk about that piece, make sure you got it before they get there. But, you know, there's a really fun spot in business where people are calling everybody, calling each other at night. Can you believe what we did? Hey, did you hear about this? Can you believe what Sam did? And it's just this energy makes everybody feel part of something. So anyway, that's how I've been getting it done. And that really attracts people. They want that. I mean, I kind of want to just send you my resume after this. Not really. I'm just kidding. But uh, I don't know, maybe one day down the line. But um what I just, that just made me think of, because, you know, Service Titan is a tech company. I entered my career after college working in tech companies. And I was working in these small companies, you know, 10 people, 20 people until I hit Service. Service Titan was actually the biggest company I ever worked for, which is was at the time like 250 or so. Actually, I'm employee number 287. We're now over 2000. So that's incredible. But that desire to be a part of something, that lack of bureaucracy that is something that a lot of people my age in the millennial and you know older Gen Z area, they want to work for businesses like that where they can make a difference. And I'm not sure how much the contractors listening are plugged into tech news, but there have been a lot of layoffs in the tech community. I know Shopify just let, laid off a ton of people. I wonder if there's an opportunity for the folks listening to see if there's anyone in their area, because remote work is so popular, to maybe start picking up some tech people and implementing them in their systems, especially if you're utilizing a tool like Service Titan. Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, four programmers on our team, you know, and they all kind of came the same way. And, you know, when I talk to them, it's all, it's, you know, they're, they're just uh, verifying what you said, you know, um, tech world's kind of in 
kind of head in the wrong direction and they didn't have that, you know, it got to be, you know, when you're, when you're always racing for the buck, right. It's really hard to have that, you know, everything is just heads down and just grind. Right. But um, when you're trying to build something and create something and, and create something that wasn't there before, uh, you know, there's a lot, a lot more opportunity for a community, right? hundred percent. One thing I want to make sure we talk about, I'm going to get into private equity in a second, but I want to talk about the Gettle Academy because you have a commitment to create techs who do it the right way, not the easy way. And you also commit to hiring veterans, which I absolutely love. Hiring vets has been a big theme on today on the, our show. So I would love for you to tell me a little bit about the Gettle Academy and how it's working for you guys. There's been, uh, you know, a couple of the more scaled operators in the industry were way out ahead of me in the having their schools and they've done an incredible job. You got, you know, you got to document this, the, the systems of the business and you have to have a, you know, a full effort on training. You got to understand that nobody should ever touch a customer, get near a customer without being vetted and trained and tested. Right. And, you know, being uh, measured all the time so that you give a great, customer experience and continue to grow the business, right? So your business is a school for your employees. So, you know, I'd kind of been toiling with that. I really, actually, I didn't know how to approach it. And I was able to come across a guy that, you know, put these programs together for, for other trades and such, and we put them on and uh, he's taken off with it. So, you know, we've been putting out a couple hundred guys a year for the last three years. At first, we started with, we would just take them out of, we'd take them right out of the trade school. We had some technical trainers that would kind of get them up to speed on some of their shortcomings. And then we rolled them out. So that worked fine. Now we've moved into management training. And then we have just recently put the team in place and have the curriculum in place to start going from I've never seen an air conditioner or I've never seen a plumbing system to now I'm making a living with it. I'm just really trying to execute what Michael Gerber taught me. Your business is a school for your employees. So heck yes, you are. I just had this conversation this morning with one of my regional managers and I said, you know, cause we had, we had a branch that was struggling and it struggled and struggled and struggled. And finally we, we took a guy from our internal you know, inside and we moved him and we moved him to uh, the branch, right? And he takes over and in one month, he writes the business. It's just always so amazing to me when you get the guy with the right skill set of managing people and leadership fundamentals, how they completely turn a business around in 30 days. Something that we had been toiling with for, I don't know, 16 months. He writes in 30 days. So my point being is like, we are really zeroing in on building the future leaders of this industry with management training, leadership training, uh, as well as all the, tr the uh, technical side of the business. I imagine getting that guy in that position, it was kind of like finding the last, like a puzzle piece just fitting perfectly, just like so relieving, just like, oh, that felt great. Oh, I did such a good job. But also we as a team did such a good job, you know? Yeah, you know my my VP of Sales, Dale Steele, is, who's uh, been with us a long time, and you know one of my key guys. We kind of have this thing like when a branch is not heading the right way, 
I'll call him. He'll call me and I'll go, I got a really bad idea. You know, and it's about like, okay, who are we going to put over here to put this fire out, right? I got a really bad idea and we'll talk about it. And, you know, it's always now like, let's do it. If it's a bad idea, let's do it because our bad ideas continue to work. But our bad ideas really involve like taking, you know, you know, taking a guy out from something that's working really well and moving him to something that's not doing so well, making sure you're backfilling the good, good business and, you know, execute on the other one. But so far, so good. But I, it's a testament to our training, I believe. I really want to talk about private equity because we have talked about it a lot in the last hundred episodes. And I saw that you uh, just a few months ago, Gettle was sold once again to the Cortec group. So I would love to hear your experience with private equity and being backed by it and what advice you would give to other contractors who are just thinking about it, want to get involved in it, maybe have a goal of working with private equity in the future. Tell me about your experience. So, you know, in my, my quest to always see how far I can climb, you know, I just found myself in these weird positions. Like back in 1997, I merged my company with a public company. You know, much like private equity, it's outside investment of capital into the business to help it grow, investment and management teams, things like that. Well, you know, in that particular case, um, I had got a, quite an education on mergers and acquisitions. I mean, you know, those guys were really, really uh, accomplished M&A people that created ARS. And uh, I learned, uh, I just, that's really, really, I cut my teeth on understanding how to acquisition and grow with acquisitions and such. Um, And some, you know, some other good solid lessons about business management, this and that. After that, that journey, I decided I can, um, I can do it better this time. And so I set out and I started using my new acquisition uh, education. I started acquiring companies and putting together and kind of doing the, some of the stuff that you see me do today and built the business. And I sold it again to ARS one, another time. And in that time, I was able to connect with the uh, management team who had deep experience in running multi-branch op- operations, right? They ran True Green and Permanex and some of these big multi-billion dollar home service companies, right? And they were ground up guys, you know, who started in the field and they had grown it and they understood all the nuances of running a branch, you know, 500 miles away and running a branch manager and what the motivating factors are and how to bonus them and how to think about them and how to keep them in, in the rails, all the stuff. Right. So I learned a lot there, uh, a lot about metrics and really drilling down the details of the business. So that was a great learning experience with them and that private equity group. And then in 2018, you know, I'd bought and gettle with the whole purpose of doing exactly what we've done, which is grow it, private equity sponsors continue to grow, you know, uh, take some value off the table as we continue to escalate the value and get it across the nation, which was my ultimate goal. So in, in my last partner sponsor, PE sponsor, uh, bomb capital, great experience, good guys. I kind of look at it like them. They were like the farm team, right? I'm the trip plan, triple a ball now. 
And these guys were a little smaller, you know, weren't going to really get too much involved in my operations, but they had great experience, investment banking experience. They knew how the contract side of putting this merger together. They knew the, the elements to put inside the business to make it more valuable, to take you up to the next level sponsor, right? And they helped me craft all that with all their experience. And we built the infrastructure inside of Gallup you know, all the shared services models, right? The robust accounting team, the compliance team, the HR team, uh, you know, the integration team, the M&A team, you know, they helped me understand those roles, what the people were like, what the org chart had to look like, what we pay for them and what it's going to cost to run the enterprise. And so, you know, they really helped me put that foundation together. So I thought that was a great step. And then when we went to the next process, um, and ended up a core tech. Now we're in the big leagues. Now we're in, you know, very sophisticated, successful, long-term success PE firms out of New York City. And I will say it's an exhilarating experience. I mean, these guys think about business differently. They play at a whole nother level and it's, and it's, and I'm ready. I, I, I made myself ready. My team is ready. And we're embracing it, have a great time with it. I mean, you know, because we had a great team anyway, but, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? And they come in, they turn so many light bulbs on for us every single day. So every day we got, wow, I didn't know that. Now we can get to here. Wow, I didn't know that. Boy, that makes it easier. And, you know, it's a lot of fun again. And so we're playing, we're playing the A game. I mean, you know, we got to, we got to go to work every day. We got to stay on top of it. But I look at it now, and now that I've been through this journey, I'd say, had I know what's the, what's the say? What had I know then? What I know now? You know, but uh, but you know, when you start business, you don't have a, you don't really understand what it means, right? You ever? I think everybody probably ought to get a coach before they ever start business, right? Before they ever get in the do one thing in business, right? But you got to really understand the journey because if you don't really know where you're going, the typical mode is once you get up to a certain point or comfort zone, you you'll live on the cash flow, which should be significantly more than the, you know the the typical nine to five, you know, W two worker, right? But uh, and so you kind of live in this fast life wealthy life, you know, lifestyle business, I call it. But, you know, what you're really doing is shortchanging the shareholders of the business. You know, you're the leader of the business, the president of the business, and you're shortchanging the shareholders, which may be you and your wife and your kids and whoever else. But you're shortchanging yourself because really the goal, the goal of any CEO or president of a, of a company should be to maximize shareholder value, right? So every day should be built on how do I make the, the, the shares of this company more valuable every single day? Not how do I pull a couple million bucks out of here and live, you know, live high in the hog, right? So, which is okay and you can do that. But at the end of the day, if you're constantly working on building a business, that is improving and it grows in value and you have a, a solid management team in place 
and where the, your work becomes one more of, you know, you know, a visionary, uh, you know, charting the course, you know, driving the culture of the business and some of the really high level initiatives and it continues to grow. Really, that's the place you want to be in business. Right. And then so at any time you want to uh, execute on the value of the business, sell it, partner, whatever you want to do, you can because it's ready for that. On the other side, it will be performing the best it possibly can because you built it to be a value creator, not a lifestyle business. Right. So anyway, I, I guess when I looked at that, I've lifestyled businesses for a long time and it's fun. It's great. I just, now that I look back on it, I kind of think, I guess if I would have thought about it different, maybe I would have had a bigger outcome. Now I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm doing okay. But I just want to challenge people to think about this. Take a look at this business as not your life. It's something that you have built to lay, to, you've built the goose that lays the golden eggs. That's going to fund the life that you personally designed in your mind. And so think about it in those terms. Um, it's very easy for a business to, to just completely consume people and their lives. And you wake up one day like, why, why am I doing this? You know, what, where is this headed? You know, because it, it, it consumes you. And, I, you know, I've gotten to that place many times. I got that place, you know, right before you met me, I was... I was so consumed by the business and, you know, so stressed and not, didn't have really my arms around it enough uh, and uh, that I just kind of lost my way and got heavy and got complacent and drinking expensive wine every night, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I just got to a bad spot and, and I had to make a change. And so I threw down the gauntlet one day. It happened to be oh, two years ago. July 27th, I threw down the gauntlet and said, I'm, I'm taking my life back. And I have, you know, worked on it and cleaned up my act a bit, started to head down the right path and started to think about things uh, more holistically and uh, lost 100 pounds in the process. And, you know, congratulations looking for a new journey. Thanks. So anyway, I don't know. I kind of went on a long, long rant on that one, but. That's why I asked you on because you have all this wisdom in your head, Ken. And I'm just like asking some questions to chisel away at it. I heard so many amazing things in what you said. One, I just want to bring attention to the fact that as you were talking about your private equity, your experience with private equity, your entire demeanor changed. I don't know if you noticed, but you just lit up. And I could just tell that this has become not necessarily like, I love working with private equity so much. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I could see how much you enjoy the challenge and the, you mentioned that you're, you're a voracious reader and you're, you're a learner. And I can just see how working with these different groups and leveling up, leveling up has just done so great, has done so much for you personally. And I also just want to compliment you on being so vulnerable with where you were at two years ago, because I would never have guessed that by, by talking with you. Like I said, at the beginning of the show of this episode, you are known in the industry. People are like, Ken knows what's up. You also, you know, co-authored the E-Myth HVAC contractor with Michael Gerber. You've literally written the book on how to be successful. So for you to be honest and show up here and say, 
I lost my way. I lost my focus just means a lot, I think, to a lot of people listening. So I want to thank you on that. Um, and one question I wanted to ask you at the beginning, but I didn't get around to it, was how have you changed since COVID? So I'd like to give you that question to kind of continue what you what you teased at just a moment ago. I think, uh, you know, by the work I've done on myself the last couple of years, uh, you know, if you really wanted to boil down uh, what I think uh, the, the most impactful result is that uh, the process opened my heart, right? I'm just feel like I got more empathy, you know, a lot more empathy for people and their plights and challenges. And, uh, you know, I got a lot more, um, more, much more grateful and respectful to um, everybody, but certainly to people that are out there trying to hustle and make something happen for their lives and build their lives. And, uh, you know, not that I was a tyrant or anything. I just, I just feel more connected to the world and I feel uh, um, um, empowered to help people. And I feel uh, like it's my duty for some reason. Now, like I said, I kind of always had a stewardship of helping others, but it was kind of because I knew I'd get help too. I think kind of this is a little bit different that I don't know. I mean, I did all this by walking every day. So maybe I just, you know, walked out, walked out all my anger. I don't know. Walking. I just feel lighter. I, I feel lighter. I feel happier. I feel more connected to everybody and, and, uh, and, uh, with an open heart. Walking is very meditative and I know Brene Brown walks every day. I try and walk every day. I think some pretty smart people try and walk every day. And it lets you kind of clear out the gunk in your mind, go through things and focus on what's really important. But really congratulations on going through that transformation. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Now now the hard work begins keeping it that way. I believe you can do it. All right, I've got a couple of final questions yeah. for you. So if you could revise the E-Myth HVAC contractor today, what would you add? The story that I tell in that book and how I approach things was 30 years old. And obviously I've evolved. I've learned a lot of things. I've considered doing a version two or something else like it, but kind of just applying, you know, kind of a, a higher level thought. You really get maybe into the details a little bit more. You know, it's pretty surfacey, uh, but it just kind of gives people a robot, but maybe more details, maybe more sophisticated uh, uh, narrative about how I've approached business and, you know, some of these things that we've talked about today, things like that. I'm rolling out E-Myth Plumber. So same concept as Michael Gerber. What, what, what I did is I kind of took the story from... 2008 was kind of where it ended in the E-Myth book. So I took it from there. Well, I'm excited to read it. I believe that, you know, uh, the E-Myth HVAC contractor is written pretty basic and real fundamental, like guys are really starting out. And because I've been in various different places in this industry, you know, I could probably 
lend uh, some of my experience to uh, other places that people are in their in their business journey. I love that. So I would love to do this podcast for another hundred episodes. Who, in your opinion, I, should I talk to next? Who in the industry has the most value to give other contractors? Have you interviewed Terry Nicholson or Jimmy No, Abrams? I have not. Okay, those are names. And listen, you're also welcome to to, inter- to interview like one of my GMs. Oh, I would love that. Who didn't come from the trade and their challenges and how they approached it and you know how they came into something they had no idea about and made it more successful than the majority of their local competitors, you know? I would love that. We'll talk afterwards. Okay. Two more questions. If you had to choose a song to be the soundtrack of your life, what would it be? I think right now my theme song would be You Might Die Trying by Dave Matthews. That is great. Also the first Dave Matthews submission we've gotten on the Toolbox for the Trades playlist. I love it. Uh, That's a great answer. You know the song? I'm not familiar with it. Well, basically it goes like this, like to change the world, it starts with one step, however small. First step is the hardest of all. Once you get your gate, you will walk in tall. You said you never did because you might die trying. I'm going to continue to try and I might die trying. Is there anything we should have talked about today that we didn't get a chance to? Anything you would like to say to the Toolbox for the Trades listeners? We've got thousands of them now, which is incredible. Anything you would like to say? So let's talk about the private equity thing in this ilk, which is, uh, you know, I have been fortunate that these these sponsors that I've been involved in, some I picked, some I didn't, are all, all have been somewhat value-add. Some a lot, some a little. And so, you know, I think... Everybody needs to understand what this private equity thing is really all about. And, and this is how I see it. You go in and, and you're, you're looking for a sponsor that has capital, you know, financial capital and intellectual capital to help you grow and scale the business. So that's what you're trading for the shares of your business, the hard work, blood, blood sweat and tears you've created. That's what you're trading. I'm going to trade that for some capital for the business, some cash flow for my, you know, take some chips off the table, take some cash flow for myself, and I'm going to add some intellectual capital to the strategy so that we can take and grow the business so my remaining shares are more valuable than the first shares that I sold. Continually to be able to grow the value of the shares, and you can take your profits as you as you grow and you want to. So really, that's the innovation. Some people go in and do it, and they just want to sell the business, and they just want out. Uh, so, you know, some because they've hit a wall. I would say I've done that a couple of times. I hit a wall. I didn't know where to go. It was hard. It's a grind. I'm just, hey, if I make some money on it and stay in the game and learn something, I'll do it. I don't recommend you do that. I, every time I've done that, I regretted it, but I have done it. You know, try to gut it out and get the business tight before you make the move. The best way to approach a private equity deal is I want this business to grow. I want my brand to grow. It's important to me. And I'm going to put all the elements I can to do it. I'm going to put the capital in. I'm going to put the intellectual capital. And, you know, 
maybe I won't own every single share of the business, but it still will be more valuable to me and my family um, with the shares that I have, right? And so it's very important that you look at this whole private equity thing is I got to ride, pick the right horse. I can't, you know, this is a very important decision. You have, you've built this asset such that it is. Sometimes it's a really strong and, you know, solid asset. And sometimes it's, you know, it's just, you know, duct tape and bailing wire held together. Either way, it's still your asset, right? And so you got to make sure that you are careful with who you get involved with it. No different than who you hire, right? Well, there's private equity firms, and I've seen this in every industry. I've had a lot of friends who've had businesses who've gotten into a hot market, a hot PE market like HVAC and plumbing is today. And, you know, these guys are looking to place money. They just want to go put money, you know, they have access to capital. They want to place money to make returns off that money, grow the business, sell it, you know, take the capital back, grow it, keep doing it, right? Well, they, um, uh, you got to be careful that you pick the right sponsors that can actually help you get that done. In other spaces too, where they get involved and everybody has the grand story, we're going to do this and we're going to get a 25 multiple, blah, blah, blah. But they, they don't really have the foundation, the track record, you know, the skill to really do that. They're just financial investors and, and fold their arms and say, go make me some money, slave. And, you know, it really kind of goes like that. So I see a lot of sponsors running around that they're quasi sponsors. You know, they're not real sponsors. They get their money. They don't really have a fund. They get their money from another fund that co-invests with them. It's kind of hinky. They don't really have any wherewithal to support the, the business to add strategy, it's just kind of ad hoc. Hey, we'll have a meeting, we'll talk about it, blah, blah, blah. But it's not really serious businessmen that have a process to help you grow. And they've done it time and time again with track record. So be careful, make sure you pick the right company. Then on top of that, make sure that if you're not a, if you're not the platform company, you know, where, you, where your management team is the one going to be leading the charge in this investment, then make sure that the platform company has a track record being able to scale the business. You know, they got a lot of experience with multi-branch operations. You know, how are they going to set up their shared services or infrastructure? Um, you know, what's succession planning look like? What's training look like? I mean, you really got to delve into this and see is this a real thing that I'm putting my asset and my family's future into? And I see a lot of guys that I believe have not made great decisions. They kind of tie themselves to PE groups that what I, they're like house flippers, you know, let's get some lipstick. Let's get some lipstick on this pig and sell it. Well, that's not what I don't think most of you are signed up for that. I was signed up for, I want to, I want to learn new things. I want to arm myself with some new experiences so I can be bigger, better, smarter, and faster. And I want a great outcome with my business. And I, so far, so good. I've had those. Um, but be careful with who you partner with. Make sure they have a track record that the PE sponsor has a real track record of developing 
businesses and strategies that work and that have the right outcome. And two, that there's a management team in place that has deep track record of proven success in kind of the venture that you're going to set out to, to, uh, to do. And so, um, I've, I've cautioned a few guys that I saw that I didn't think were heading the right way or going with a firm that I thought, you know, th this is just a spin your wheels time, but they didn't like my, they didn't like my, uh, caution, but, uh, it's real and you should be considered, you know, you should be concerned about it. So, uh, and I'll, and I'll just finish this sentence with this conversation with this. I really did. Well, I think I made the right decision. I feel good about what I did with, I was at 50 million in sales and I went with the bomb group, which was a smaller firm more boutique firm, but they had a track record, right? I, we have six, many successful investments. They have a, they, they have investment banking arm. They know business really deep. They know the contracts really deep. They know how to do acquisitions. They know what what the all the value creators are on a business that attract bigger buyers for the future. You know they were value add, but they weren't so you know on top of it. Like okay, you know we're gonna we're rapid growth and you know. We're going to add this set of metrics inside the business immediately. And we're going to add this new initiative. You know, they weren't that kind of group yet. That's my new group, which now I'm ready for. And when you're ready for it, you really see the results. So I, I would say not a bad choice if you're a smaller business. I was 50 million at the time and, and I... And I kind of got... Was on the AAA league, right? Where they kind of got me up to speed. And that's, I will say, probably why we drove the highest multiple of the industry so far in our process, uh, because we were ready for it. Like we built it to spec the way that we knew that the bigger PE firms would want to see it. What a giant chunk of knowledge that you just delivered. I'm like, holy cow. Also, spoiler alert, our episode 99, which airs right before this says the exact same thing that you just did. Uh, not the exact same thing, but just goes to show that a lot of people are thinking about this too. Um, Ken Goodrich, I cannot thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for joining me on episode 100. Seriously, it means so much to me. Thank you for helping me kick off this show. Thank you for helping me celebrate this milestone. And I truly cannot wait to see where you're going to be next. Well, well, we'll see. I'll keep going. And I really appreciate the help. And I certainly appreciate the whole Service Titan team. You know, I think uh, they have been, you know, one of the key drivers of our success. You know, when we started this venture, I bought Gettle and I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to invest. I'm just going to invest in the latest, greatest tech. And Titan wasn't quite there yet, but I'm like, I'm riding with these guys. I don't care. And, and we've, we've taken the ride with them and it's worked. So, um, you know, kudos to the service Titan team Ara and Vahe. And, uh, you know, thanks for the great partnership. Right back at you, Ken. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for listening to Toolbox for the Trades. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you left a rating wherever you get your podcasts. This helps the show grow and get discovered by more listeners like you. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode.
Are you looking to build a top-tier service company? Service Titan's Contractor Playbook is a handy guide to help you get where you want to go. Authored by the industry's greatest minds, this free all-in-one playbook will help you set your company up for success. Learn how to provide excellent customer service, establish your company's culture, market to new and existing customers, and more. Just go to servicetitan.com slash getplaybook to access the free digital guide. That's servicetitan.com slash getplaybook.